thank you for listening to Rapid ONG for Medical Students. My name is Dr Helen Stevenson and I'm joined today by Professor Justin Clark to discuss prolapse of the genital tract. So firstly, what do we mean by the term prolapse? In gynaecology, a prolapse refers to descent of the uterus and all the vaginal walls beyond their normal anatomical position. When there is a uterine prolapse, the cervix is seen projecting down low, within and more rarely outside of the vagina. With vaginal prolapse, the organs behind the vagina are allowed to protrude, causing these areas of the vagina to bulge. Is prolapse then similar to a hernia, being caused by muscle weakness? Yes, the normal muscular and connective tissue supports of the uterus and vagina are weakened, resulting in a prolapse. You may have heard of the pelvic floor. This, re this term refers to a group of muscles which span the area underneath the pelvis, essentially forming a kind of hammock across the pelvic opening. When components of the pelvic floor are damaged, pelvic organ support is compromised. So which muscles make up the pelvic floor? The most important muscle complex is the levator ani, which forms a sling to support the pelvic organs. There is also support from the urogenital diaphragm, which is a sheet of dense fibrous tissue lying across the anterior half of the pelvis and pierced by the urethra and the vagina. The rectovaginal fascia then supports the posterior vaginal wall in the same way. The perineal body is a fibromuscular area situated between the vagina and the rectum and is a point of insertion for the muscles of the pelvic floor and also provides some additional support. Are there any other important supporting structures? Yes, in addition to the pelvic floor, the uterus gains support from the cardinal ligaments, which attach the cervix and the lower vagina to the pelvic sidewall, and also the uterus sacral ligaments, which attach the upper vagina and the cervix to the sacrum. The uterus also has a small amount of support from the round ligaments as well. Great, so you said there can be a prolapse of the uterus as well as the vaginal walls. How do you classify these different types of prolapse? Well, it depends on which organs are involved in the prolapse. When examining the anterior vaginal wall, there are two types of prolapse. A urethraceal involves prolapse of the lower part of the anterior vaginal wall. More commonly, the upper anterior vaginal wall is involved, so that the bladder, which sits behind it, is allowed to push downwards onto the vagina, causing a bulge, and this is called a cystocele. When both the urethra and the bladder are involved, this is then termed a cystourethraceal. Okay, and what about the posterior vaginal wall? Well, when examining the posterior vaginal wall, the prolapse can be a rectocele or an entrocele. A rectocele is a prolapse of the lower part of the posterior vaginal wall and involves the rectum. An entrocele, on, on the other hand, is a prolapse of the upper part of the, of the posterior vagina, so the pouch of Douglas is involved, and there may be loops of small bowel in the prolapse. And prolapse of the uterus? A uterovaginal prolapse is a prolapse of the cervix and the uterus and may coexist with prolapse of the vaginal wall. After a hysterectomy, the top of the vagina, known as the vault, can prolapse, and this is referred to, not surprisingly, as a vault prolapse. So how would you determine the type of prolapse when you're examining a woman? Prolapse is diagnosed when you see the presence of a bulge in the vagina on examination. You should examine the patient at rest and then ask her to strain to see the descent of the prolapse. If a prolapse involves the anterior or posterior vaginal wall, it can be easier to assess the examining patient in the left lateral SIMS position and using a special type of speculum called a SIMS speculum. You should always perform an abdominal examination as well to rule out any pelvic massage which, may be which could be the cause of the prolapse. So when talking about vaginal prolapse, a bulging front wall of the vagina is likely to represent a cystocele, a bulge in the back wall of the vagina, a rectocele, and a bulge at the top and the back of the vagina, an entrocele. That's correct. What about a uterine prolapse? What would you then see on examination? Well, as the uterus moves downwards, its lowest part, the cervix, is seen projecting down into the vagina. Uterine prolapse can be graded at grade 1, 2 or 3. 
If the prolapse comes down into the lower third of the vagina, but is at least a centimetre above the introitus, then it is referred to as a grade one prolapse. If it comes down to within one centimetre, either above or below the introitus, it is a grade two. And if it comes to more than one centimetre past the introitus, that's outside the vagina, then it's termed grade three. When the uterus is completely diverted, so the whole uterus comes down outside of the vagina, this is referred to as a complete procedenture and is usually seen in much older women. So are there any specific risk factors that mean you're more likely to develop a prolapse? The main contributing factor is childbirth. The physiological and anatomic changes of pregnancy generally weaken the pelvic floor. And further damage to the pelvic floor muscles and connective tissue is associated with vaginal deliveries, a prolonged second stage, an instrumental delivery or a large baby. The other main contributing factor is the lack of estrogen following menopause. This causes a loss of elasticity in the pelvic connective tissue which predisposes to prolapse. Other less common risk factors include congenital defects in collagen metabolism such as Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and any medical conditions which increase intra-abdominal pressure such as a chronic cough, obesity, constipation or a job that involves a lot of heavy lifting. So prolapse is a common problem, especially in Paris postmenopausal women. Yes, about 50% of women who have had children have some degree of pelvic organ prolapse. What are the main reasons that women want treatment for their prolapse? Well, prolapse can present with varying symptoms depending on the location and grade. In general, women may complain of a dragging sensation or a lump in the vagina, which is worse after prolonged standing. They may also describe a lower back pain, which is worse by the end of the day, or difficulty having intercourse. Urinary symptoms often occur with an anterior vaginal wall prolapse, such as urinary urgency and frequency, or a sensation of incomplete bladder emptying or urinary incontinence. With a posterior vaginal wall prolapse, they may present with difficulty in defecation and need to digitally evacuate their bowels. If there is a significant uterovaginal prolapse, they may be concerned with bleeding or vaginal discharge, which is due to ulceration on the cervix as it rubs on the underwear. So if they have symptoms, what treatment can we offer them? Well, we, it's a good way of thinking of treatment is to split them into conservative, medical or surgical treatments. Conservative treatments should be offered first if the prolapse is associated with mild to moderate symptoms and in women who haven't completed their family or those who are unfit for surgery. Conservative measures involve pelvic floor exercises with physiotherapy or vaginal estrogen if women are postmenopausal. You should also treat any risk factors such as constipation or chronic cough and give advice about weight loss in overweight patients. Medical treatment involves the use of a vaginal pessary. This is a removable device that fits into the vagina to reduce or push back the prolapse. There are several different shapes and sizes of pessary, but the most commonly used are ring, shelf, gel horn or cube pessaries. Well that sounds like an easy fix. Are there any disadvantages to the pessaries? Yes, they can be uncomfortable when they're first fitted. They may also fall out if there is an adequate pelvic floor tone or it's the wrong size. They can also cause vaginal ulceration and in the case of shelf and gel horn pessaries, they may interfere with intercourse. Pessaries also have to be routinely changed every six months. So if a woman doesn't want treatment with pessaries or is having problems with them, then you can repair the prolapse surgically, is that right? Yes, um, if there's any uterovaginal prolapse, then the operation is a vaginal hysterectomy. Vaginal wall prolapse, on its own, can be treated with a vaginal wall repair. Often women will have more than one type of prolapse and may require both a hysterectomy and a vaginal wall repair. More complex and varied surgical techniques are required for vault prolapse. Are there any complications associated with surgical correction of prolapse? As well as the risks of general anaesthesia, there are also risks of bleeding, infection, venous thromboembolism, damage to the bladder or bowel, post-operative urinary retention, or dyspareunia, that's pain with intercourse. It is also important to inform women that prolapse surgery carries a risk of developing stress incontinence post-operatively, 
and, of course, a reoccurrence of the paralysis. 